0: Bite sized Bible study podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we will continue our look at running the race of faith by and through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In part one, we looked at our verses in Hebrews. And we will finish up with a few more verses throughout the New Testament. We will look mainly at the writings of Paul, as he was just the ultimate um, apostolic example that we can look at, and had such an eloquent way of expressing the character of God, and was just a mighty man used by the Holy Spirit in so many ways, so... Without any further ado, let's get into the race of faith part two. Finishing up here with the notes on 18 to t- verses 18 to 24 and 25 to 29. I'm just going to read them through. The writer presents another dramatic contrast between Judaism pictured at Mount Sinai and Christianity, represented by Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. The Old Covenant of the Law brought fear and separation, but the New Covenant brings overwhelming blessings. The author issues a final warning to those who contemplated turning away from Christ. If severe punishment fell upon those who rejected the revelation of Sinai, much more severe will be the penalty upon those who disregard the fuller revelation they have in Christ. The return of the Lord will signal the removal of all that is earthly and temporal in order that only heavenly and spiritual realities may remain. Therefore, let us have grace to serve God acceptably. All right. So we are going to look next at 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Again, we're talking about this race of faith. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize Is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. All right, that's Paul just laying it out beautifully like always, and then we are going to look quickly at the notes here. While Paul himself was free from rigid scruples, he was, const- he was constrained by the weakness of others that he might ultimately win them for Christ. Without violating biblical morality, he would go to any length to enter the world of others and lead them to salvation. So that's basically um, talking about Paul. That's actually a note on 19 to 23. That precedes the verse that we just read. But that's just talking about Paul, the way he used to evangelize and really just um, reason with people. Um, Paul was a very intelligent, very um, well spoken man, as you can see in his letters throughout the um, New Testament. But he was very gifted in his ability to. I guess, convey uh, thoughts, um, philosophies, as well as the goodness and the grace and um, I guess the character of God. And he would go to any length just to reach out and, you know, uh, I guess evangelize to people regardless of where he was or where they were. Um, Now, be cautious. It does say, you know, with caution, I would say, you know, if you had a problem with alcohol, then I would say you probably don't want to go into bars trying to preach to alcoholics. Um, But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you can't have a ministry in which you help, you know, people that may have had problems and struggles that you may dealt with or. Um, Again, just moving into areas where you can be used by God, however he would use you. God will lead you, the Holy Spirit will lead you, but be open to that leading and also use wisdom and um, be wise. God gave us a brain because he wanted us to use it and he makes us intelligent people so that we can, um, you know, learn from our mistakes and not repeat them. So we're going to look at 927, um, this note here. Paul, again, was comparing the race of faith to a uh, physical race. Um, and it says, athletes who break the rules become disqualified. Paul's illustration stresses the necessity of self-discipline and the danger of flaunting one's liberties. Believers must practice self-denial and self-control, even in matters that are morally indifferent. So, you know, it comes down to basically not, you know, there's like movements now where people are doing like Bible studies and bars and things like that. I'd say that's kind of flaunting your liberties to an extent. Um, Again, who knows that, you know, (laughs) uh, one of those people that you're with doesn't have a problem with alcohol or something like that. I, I just... There's a, there's, it just doesn't, there's certain activities people engage in these days that I I don't understand and I think are just part of the emergent church that I spoke about a little while ago. They're, um, you know, it's kind of like they want to fit the church into the world (laughs) as opposed to having the church correct and be, you know the light in the world and the salt, they just want to be part of the world and kind of fit in, which we're definitely not meant to fit into the world. Again, we're meant to change the world and flip the world upside down for the Christ that we serve. So let's move on to 2 Timothy. We're going to look at chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And that word righteousness means just, the quality of being right. Broadly, the word suggests conformity to the revealed will of God in all respects. Uh, Righteousness is both judicial and gracious. God declares the believer righteous in the sense of acquitting him and imparts righteousness to him. And then the note down here says, Paul's death was a sacrifice poured out before God and, as such, enabled him to share the sufferings of Christ. Whether Paul regarded his life as a battle, a race, or a test of the truth of the gospel, he had achieved victory. The past, with its many duties, has been completed. The present is secure in faith. The future promises, rewards. Our reward is definitely Christ and Christ alone, but it is pretty amazing that on top of that, you know, God is willing to bless us and reward us in heaven, whatever that's going to look like. Um, You know, there's parts of the Bible that says we will be casting crowns one day at the feet of Jesus, you know, basically saying we're not worthy because, you know, when it comes down to seeing the Lord and being engaged with him, um, there's, you know, there's him and there's everybody else. So I really think we're going to be so all struck and in love with the Lord that it's really not going to be something where we're, uh, looking up and saying, you know, counting our, um, our rewards or our crowns. Um, again, uh, we're going to be reflecting that character of Christ, that humility, that um, meekness, and frankly, that reverence, realizing that the only thing we have (laughs) to begin with is because of him. So it's good to keep in mind. Um, And then finishing up here, again, this race of faith, this this whole idea that I'm trying to touch on is basically about, you know... uh, Living a Christian life it it we live in a society in a world again, in which we are consumed from every direction with garbage, with the worldly trash that you like I said, i I can't even watch a movie, a kids' movie with my children, without commercials coming on that completely violate my beliefs completely subject my children to things, images, and lifestyles that I do not want anything, any exposure to them whatsoever as if they are good or acceptable because they're not in God's eyes. And I, I do not believe in having those images and those types of things. I just can't fathom the people that sit and, you know, I mean, Hollywood was a pretty sick place, but it, it's, it's really, turning up the level of, uh, I don't know, sickness, I guess you could say over the past few years, but let's get into Romans chapter 12, verses nine to 21. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then looking at the notes here for 9 to 21, basically what this is saying is love is to be the guiding principle in Christian relationships, not only with fellow believers, but with enemies as well. Paul mentions many specific Christian duties, but love is the dominant note in all the exhortations. And then looking at the note for chapter 18, because some people may remain violently opposed to us, there are times when all efforts towards peace fail. However, the Christian is to make certain that he is not at fault when peace breaks down. Then finishing up with this note where the writer, the author of Paul says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Instead of taking vengeance ourselves, we should give it over into God's hands and thereby give place to wrath. God will exact vengeance at the final judgment, or even in this life, sometimes through the instrumentality of civil government. So, you know, again, that's just speaking on behaving like a Christian, you know, walking the walk. Um, You know, Paul was, he practiced what he preached and we're all called to do that as well. You know, um, they're what, what comes from the mouth, you know, is evidence of what's in your heart, essentially. So, you know, if Christ is at the center of your heart, if you're in the Word of God, if you're being transformed, then that should be evident in your actions. And, you know, we should learn how to love others regardless of circumstance. And, you know, repaying the idea of don't repay evil with evil, Um, you know, just a stupid little example. (laughs) I drive a lot and especially at night and my, my car has these lights that seem like they're high beams, but they're just very, they're, I don't know, they're high end LED lights or whatever, but they seem like I have high beams and people flash their high beams at me all the time or turn them on thinking I have my high beams on. And I used to, put my high beams on and then hey, I'll teach them a lesson. But, you know, again, this is just a dumb little analogy, but it's just to show you that now I just, I'm humble enough to just realize that I don't repay an evil for an evil. And obviously there's much larger scale examples that you can give than that. But um, fortunately <laughs> that's about as big in my life as I can think of right now, anyway, for me repaying evil with evil. So, you know um, but when it comes down to it, again, even that little thing, God showed me and convicted me, and just said, you know, don't don't live that way. Even those little things, don't don't repay evil for evil, because you know, even when Jesus was on the cross, <laughs> he asked God to forgive the very people that were crucifying him, because he said they know not what they do. So, again, going with Christ as our ultimate example, we need to follow in His footsteps. We're going to finish up at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That word appears there says to lay bare, reveal, uncover, made visible, make un- make known what has been hidden or unknown, make clear. Appears tells us of Christ's appearing when we see him in the full expression of his glorious character. All right. Continuing at verse five. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth fornication uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcised nor uncircumcised barbarian Scythian slave nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. And then finishing up here, we're going to quickly look at the notes, starting with the notes for verses 1 to 4 in chapter 3 of Colossians. For Paul, demonstrating the life-changing power of the gospel is equally as important as defending it against error. The Colossians were able to fulfill the command daily to display their attention and affection towards spiritual things because of their identification with Christ by death to the past and their empowerment for the present by the resurrection of Jesus. And then we're going to finish here with the notes on verses 5 to 17, chapter 3 of Colossians. To focus interest and ambition heavenward heavenward, entails casting away specific vices and cultivating certain virtues. Sins of sensual self-indulgence, attitude, speech, and prejudice of the mind must be put to death once and for all. Christ must govern and be the goal of the relationships and worship of the children of God. So again, I mean, this whole focus is on remaining fixed on the purpose of God, on the will of God for your life, on Christ who's standing there at the finish line of your life, of your walk, and not being distracted by the things of the world. Not falling into the things of the world that can consume us, that can draw us away from the purposes God has for our life, but rather putting off those things, those very things, so that God can have his way and you can fulfill his purposes for our life, for my life, for your life. So that concludes our look at the race of faith. That's just, again, touching on faith. So we will um, pick up again soon enough. Have a great day. Bye.